as we were worshiping this morning, I was just thinking about, it was about 20 years ago, I was sitting on my couch in my living room. I was reading a ton of scripture because I was studying for ministry credentialing and I encountered the beauty of the Lord. It was the place that changed me. And it wasn't just a, a place that changed me like, oh yeah, it's nice. I felt my calling in that place. Actually, it was confirmed my calling in that place. I was healed in the very presence of God. I had some ugly emotional baggage for a long time that God lifted it like that. And so this atmosphere here this morning, it's beautiful. He's beautiful. He's wonderful. I don't even know if my own words could even compare to anything and speak anything that's even comparable to his, his incredible beauty, his awesomeness, his majesty, his glory, his love. And so this morning, I, I just better pray. <laughs> Holy Spirit, I need you. We need you. I don't want to live a second of my life without you. I don't want to speak forth anything that doesn't come from the very throne of grace. God, I thank you, God, that you're here in such a beautiful way this morning. God, I pray that everyone here would hear your voice and not mine this morning. Just want to hide behind you this morning, oh God. God, we bless your beautiful name, God. Amen. I'm truly enamored by his beauty. That's not what I'm going to talk about this morning. We'll eventually get to Joshua chapter 3. But this morning I just became so enamored by his beauty. His wondrous, his beauty, his magnificence. And I think we don't take time like we had this morning just to, to get it back into that place of awe and wonder. Holy fascination of who he is. I love my people on Wednesday mornings. Julie Gunter and I lead a prayer meeting every Wednesday morning. And I love chocolate. I love to travel. I love my granddaughter. But there's, there's one thing that I truly love. And I, I love coming into that place. And it's like the presence of God is there every time. And I, I love just ascending that hill of the Lord. And worshiping and standing in his glorious presence and just adoring him. And then moving to that place where you're seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. Far above, every, far above every principality and power. And you can rule and reign from, with him from that very place. And then heading into some warfare and then moving back into that beautiful place of worship. That's my, I've been to a lot of great places. That's my favorite place. It's my absolute favorite place is the presence of God. There's nothing like it. That's not really what I'm going to talk about, though. <laughs> Maybe we'll talk about it. We don't talk about this, though. We don't talk about the wonders that you see. I'm a feeler. I don't necessarily hear a ton of audible words from the Lord, but I can feel the atmospheres. I can feel shifting. I can, and then I hear and see and follow up with, but I'm, gonna, I'm a hear and a feeler. I'm a feeler first, feeling the atmosphere of the Lord and where he's going with things. And so I feel like I'm feeling this morning. I'm feeling the beauty of the Lord, if that makes sense to you. I'm feeling his awesome presence in this place. So Sudafed makes you dry, so I better have a quick drink of water. Uh, 
I really, over the last, I don't even know how long I, I, God has been speaking to me. I've been, it's like, I see it. I feel it. I know it. There's going to be a movement. There's going to be a, there's a movement coming and we've seen pockets and trickles and, you know, outpourings here and there. But I believe that there's a movement that God is calling for the body of Christ. And I believe there's places that we've got to leave and we've got to, we've got to take some motion so we can move. And we're all part of that. It's not just pastors or leaders or apostles or prophets or fivefold ministry. It is everybody that's got to engage and be part of that. And I'll just begin with this. We've got to pull up some tent pegs. We've got, we've stayed in some places way too long and it's time to pull up some tent pegs. We've gotten very comfortable and complacent in places that we're at. And we don't, we no longer move into the, in some of those places with the Lord. We don't move into the deep places with the Lord because we're comfortable. We're comfortable. I'll tell you about comfort. We always come in and sit in the same spots, right? Makes us comfortable. Jody and I were at Starbucks one day and this do you remember this story? <laughs> you know what I'm going to tell people. Church people aren't just like this. We went to Starbucks and we were having our, it was a Thursday morning and we're having some coffee and talking and we're just talking about Jesus. And these ladies came and stood around us and we're like, Jody looked up and says, can I help you? And they said, these are our spots. We're the knitting club. <laughs> so we got to move from that place. They couldn't, there was other open spots, but they wanted that spot. So anyway, here we go. I'm going to read from Joshua three before I say anything else. So, Joshua three, I'm reading from the new living translation. Early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left Acacia Grove and arrived at the riverbanks at the Jordan river where they camped before crossing. Three days later, the Israelite officers went through the camp, giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions and follow them. Since you've never traveled this way before, they will guide you. Stay about a half a mile behind and keeping a clear distance between you and the Ark. Make sure you don't come any closer. Then Joshua told the people, purify yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do great wonders among you. In the morning, Joshua said to the priests, lift up the Ark of the Covenant and lead the people across the river. And so they started out and went ahead of the people. The Lord told Joshua, today I will begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of all of Israel. They will, sh they will know that I am, the I am with you just as I was with Moses. Give them this command to the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river and stop there. So this morning I want to, Pastor Jason, I know you just shared on some of this. And I'm like, and so I've worked all week on another message. And the Lord said, no, 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 you're going to go back here this morning. And I was like, oh, please, Lord. <laughs> but obedience is huge to the Lord. So anyway, um, we're going to, I'm just going to move kind of just verse by verse in what I believe the Lord is speaking to the church today. Uh, maybe this is more of a prophetic revelation than an actually uh, teacher type teaching. But early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left Acacia Grove. Does anybody know what Acacia Grove is? It's the land of Moab. Acacia Grove is in the land of Moab. It's the Moabites. Moab was a descendant from an incestuous relationship with one of Lot's, Lot and his daughters. 
And so in that place of Moab is where uh, the Israelites, uh, Balak wanted the Israelites cursed and Balaam couldn't do it because he couldn't curse who God had blessed. But the next thing you know, these uh, Israelite men, it says in this trans, uh, in, in Numbers 20, I think it's Numbers 22, maybe Numbers 25, I have it written down somewhere. Numbers 25, that the, the New Living Translation says the men But in the New King James, it says the people, the people of Israel began to go and have sexual relations with the Moabite women. So I'm not quite sure uh, how to break that out, but some translations say people, some say men. So I think it could be homosexual as well as um, as well as uh, just the men. And so they went and they began not just to have these sexual relationships, but then they got and they started worshiping the idols and worshiping the gods of Moab instead of instead of, uh, the, the almighty God. And so they had to leave Acacia Grove. And I believe that there's some of us in the church that there's some Acacia Grove that we've got to leave behind. I believe that there's probably some, um, idols that we may be worshiping. I believe that there's probably some things that we may be even committing some spiritual adultery because I know that's a rough, rough word, but you know, spiritual ad- adultery is one thing, but spiritual adultery is when you're in love with God, the father, the beauty of the Lord, but then your attentions and your affections are over here. You're giving all of your attention and all of that. And I believe the Lord is saying, you've got to leave Acacia Grove. We've got to leave the idols. We've got to leave all of that perversion. We've got to leave adultery and we're, we're going to move out. And so they, they moved. And I believe the church need today needs to move out from that place. We need to move out from that place of Acacia Grove and move to the bank of the river. And at that bank of the river, as they, as they were there, they were, they, they camped there for three days you know, sometimes I, I feel like we've been camped even at places like Acacia Grove. There's times that we don't even wor- know what kind of idols that we really are worshiping. Movie stars, TV shows, Facebook, you know, I don't even need to name them. You guys know. They're there. There's things that anything that's getting more of your attention than Jesus is an idol. It's something that you're worshiping more than him. Okay, verse 2, three days Three days later, the Israelite officers went through the camp, giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from that position and follow them. They were saying, you got to keep an eye on the presence of God. You've got to keep an eye. You're you're away from all of the idols and all of the junk. You got to keep an eye on the presence of God. The Ark of the Covenant is. It's, it's symbolic of the very throne of God. It's symbolic. It's the symbolic of the presence of the Lord. It was a, it was a acacia wood box overlaid with gold with two cherubim. The Lord said, I speak to you between the cherubim. That's where he would speak to his people from. And so he was saying, got to keep an eye on my presence. You got to keep an eye on the holy. You got to keep an eye on what I'm doing. Watch, watch what I'm doing. It's, it was up to them. Nobody was going to say, he says, when, when you see you, you're going to have to move out. Uh, verse four, or was that, let me see. Am I at verse three? Yeah. Verse four, since you've never traveled that way before, they will guide you. Stay about a half a mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the ark and make sure that you don't come any closer. What happened when Yuza got too close to the ark of the covenant, touched it? He died when David was returning the, the ark back into the Jerusalem. 
We can't touch the glory of the Lord. We're supposed to keep it out in front of us, watching it. Don't get ahead of the glory of the Lord. Don't follow behind too far. You've got to keep it in your purview. We've got to see what the Lord's doing. I believe the Lord is calling us in this move that he wants to do. We've got to be following where the Lord is going. And sometimes we don't even know where the Lord's going because we're too busy back here in Acacia Grove. But we've got to move into that place and following where the Lord is going. We've got to honor his presence. They, they wouldn't even come near that, the Ark of the Covenant. If you, I, and hopefully we've all read what this is about, the Ark of the Covenant. They carry, it, was, it, was, um, it was that chest, and it had those uh, rings on it with these poles, and the, the priests would carry these poles on their shoulders. They didn't touch it. Nobody else could carry it but the priests that had been um, prepared and washed and chosen and to, to carry that they were carriers of the presence of the Lord. And, but there was a real honoring. There was a holy, there was a reverence for the very presence of God. Then Joshua told the people, purify yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do great wonders among you. First of all, I see a, that purify yourself. Some translations say sanctify. Some translations say consecrate. There's a little bit of a difference, but it's purifying yourself is really it's sanctifying and consecration. Pastor Jason just talked about consecration on Sunday. It's not a word we talk about in the church much anymore. I'll hear it in the prayer room, but it's not something that we talk about. Sanctifying yourself really has the idea of washing yourself, washing yourself, washing yourself in the water of the word that you may become that holy sacrifice. Jesus wants to present us before the father in heaven. So we've got to wash ourselves in the water of the word. Back in December, the Lord spoke to me. He said in 2020, you're going to need the word prayer and the spirit to move forward. And I thought, Oh yeah, yeah, that's no, it's really, we've got to have, he said it again. I'm like, okay, I get it. The word, the prayer, prayer and the spirit. I don't really think that I can, in my own intellectual mind, I can say, oh yeah, let me, let me, oh God, forgive me for this and forgive me for that. But we need to invite the spirit in and we need to begin to read the word. And does my life line up with the word of God? This is be holy as I am holy, that I'm a, that I'll be a bride without spot or wrinkle, sin or defilement that is going to be presented before the Lord. One of the verses in the Bible that I, I feel like it's probably one of my favorites. It's Revelation 19, 7 and 8. We don't have that this morning. But it's, let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the marriage supper of the Lamb has come, and the bride has made herself ready. For it's granted on, upon, uh, unto her to be arrayed in fine linen, which is clean and bright for the righteous acts of the saints. What all that means is, ready the bride. She's prepared herself for the bridegroom. And that's where, that's where we're going to lead them into repentance. That's the purifying. That's the sanctifying. That's the consecration. It's time. I believe that the Lord is one of the things that I live in this constant tension all the time is I, I live in this tension. I believe the Lord is returning and I believe, well, I believe he's returning, but I believe he's returning soon. And when I look around, I don't see a church that's ready. I see, I see, and I think a lot of it's from working at the church because I see a lot that comes in here, you know what I'm talking about. And so, um, several years ago, I was, I had this vision. I was standing right here and I looked out at this full room of people and everybody was dressed in ivory. They weren't in pure white. They, we weren't ready. And so I believe for this move, we've this move, even the Israelites back then, the move that God's calling us into today, 
We've got to sanctify ourselves. We've got to wash ourselves in the water of the word. We've got to begin to repentance needs to become such a part of our lifestyle. It's not just, okay, yeah, I better say, I'm sorry. It's way beyond. I'm sorry. It's rending your heart, rending your heart and not your garments. It's the going deep of godly sorrow that leads to repentance. God, there's I lead, sometimes I lead on the Wednesday night prayer meeting. And if I bring up that R word, this is R in sign language. You bring up that R word, shut the whole thing down quiet in a second. It's not a popular word in the American church. I've even had somebody say to me, and I'm I'm not picking on anybody, but I've had somebody say to me, why do I need to repent? I don't sin. Well, maybe you should start with the sin of pride, but anyway, just, just saying, but our 6 a.m. prayer, I, we have shifted in this last, probably last six months to this crying out of repentance for our nation, crying out of repentance for ourselves and our flesh. And, and it's, it's such a beautiful, I believe it's a pure, fragrant offering to the Lord is when, when you begin, when you become clean, when you become clean, it's, it, he's washing you. And then he, then you're clothed with worship after that. When you read, um, Revelation three, he talks about the church of Laodicea. Again, it's the, that probably it's a, one of the seven churches in revelation. It's a letter to them. And in that seven churches, he says, he says, Jesus tells them that they're lukewarm, which is absolutely not a compliment, but that he says, you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. And he says, come buy from me, come buy from me gold. That's refined in fire. Come buy from me garments, white garments to clothe yourself in. come buy from me. eye salve to anoint your eyes. And so what he's speaking and all of that and what this whole purification thing is come by from me. You've got to get rid of the junk and be clothed with the things of him. Consecration, sanctification is cleansing, repenting, but consecration is about wholehearted devotion. It's, um, I can't even say the word, so I'm not going to say it's wholehearted devotion to him. It's true, deep abiding, never going to leave you, never going to forsake you. That's what he says to us, but that's what we say to him. When all hell breaks loose around you, I am not moved and I am not shaken. I'm a tree with the roots that have gone deep by the, that is planted by the river. And that when the winds come and the rains come, when the sun scorches, I'm not, I'm still going to produce fruit. That's what wholehearted devotion is. That's the, it, really when it says purify, that it, it means, it means to it cleanse, sanctify, but it means to consecrate. And it means to, which means wholehearted devotion. We're moving into a place of devotion. Those, those Israelites, when he was saying purify yourselves or like other translations, sanctify or consecrate, you're saying you got to get ready. You got to get ready. And I believe that that's the season we're in right now. We've got to be ready because there's a move coming. And I believe it's going to require some stuff from some of us. I believe it's going to require uh, a greater depth of our devotion to the Lord. Okay, I better keep moving. Purify, I'm going to read it again. Purify yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do great wonders among you. If you read on in the chapter, when they stepped into the water, they crossed over on dry ground. The water was rolled all the way back, it says to Adam. The water was rolled all the way back. Is that a great wonder among you? I can't even imagine what they were thinking. I can't imagine what the, the, the enemy armies on the other side were thinking when they, they saw the water roll back and they saw these, these Israelites. They'd heard stories already and they're, they're marching across on dry ground. 
I'm sure they were saying, oh, Jesus. <laughs> they probably weren't. They didn't know Jesus. They were probably trying to worship their idols, and it didn't do them a darn bit of good. I'm sure that they were afraid. We know that they were afraid. Uh, so that was a promise to them. Purify yourselves for tomorrow. I'll do great wonders among you. I believe that that's a promise to the church. Purify yourselves for tomorrow. I'll do great wonders among you. Tomorrow might be, might be next week. It might be a year from now. But tomorrow I will do great wonders among you. Verse 6. In the morning, Joshua said to the priests, lift up the ark of the covenant and lead the people across the river. And so they, they started out and they went ahead of the people. I believe the Lord has called each one of us to be a king and a priest. We're priests and we're the carriers of his very presence. It's time to raise up the ark. We are the carriers of his presence and head to the water. I feel like it's time to raise up the ark and head into a movement, head into what the Lord wants us to do. We've got to, I think a lot of times we sit back and wait for somebody else, but if God's called you to move, it's time to rise up and move. Maybe he's going to call you to come to 6am prayer. Maybe that's your rise up and move. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> All right. Um, that's leaders. That's how he's calling leaders. He's calling leaders to rise up and move. There's a strong leadership movement in the body of Christ today. But I believe out of that leadership, this is what he's saying. He's saying it's time to rise up and move. Take the lead. Take the lead is what he's saying. Spiritually, take the lead. Verse 7. Then the Lord told Joshua, today I will begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of all of Israel. I'm sorry, in the eyes of all the Israelites. They will know that I am with you. Just as I was with Moses, give this command to the priest to carry the Ark of the Covenant, which you, when you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take these steps into the river. Oh, I think I read two verses. Wow, it's so small. I couldn't see that little eight in there. So anyway, so the Lord told Joshua, today, today I will, today I will begin to make you a great leader. You know, where did Joshua get his, where did he get his training ground at? By, by, by the presence of the Lord. Moses would go out to the tent of meeting. And there's stories about Joshua laying right there in the presence of God. He would, he would stay there and he would linger there. And even after Moses would leave, Joshua would stay. That's where he was equipped to be that leader, to take these people across the promised land or take them into the promised land. That's the equipping place. Not a lot of people like the place of hosting the presence of the Lord. Not a lot of people like that place of prayer, but that's where Joshua, that's where Joshua became a leader. You know, I believe the enemy has lied to the church for the last, I don't know how many years about prayer. Well, prayer doesn't really work for me or, you know, I don't really like prayer. I don't really understand it. If I could just be honest, I think the enemy's lying to you. I believe he's stealing one of your, he's stealing your greatest power outside of the word of God. He's, he's stealing your access to the throne. We've got to stop that lie. It's in the presence of God, just as, just as uh, Joshua that's where he became a leader. That's where he became connected with God Almighty. That's where he knew the very heart of God. That's how he could move with the Lord. That's how he could command and lead because he was, he was transformed by the presence of God there. And then lastly, let's verse eight, give this, give this command to the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan river, take a few steps into the river and stop there. Okay. So your priests carrying this Ark of the Covenant, and the Lord saying, you know what? You got to pick it up, you got to move, and you got to step into the water. 
You've got to step into the water. You know, I can't even imagine if you, I've not seen the Jordan River, but I wouldn't want to step into the Missouri River carrying something. You know, you, you step down into that. There's raging, there's, there's raging current coming. There's raging current coming. But God said, if I step in, that it's going to stop. I'm going to obey. Obedience is so huge to become a leader in the body of Christ. Oh, to a move of God. We've got to be obedient to what he's calling us to do. And he says to get up, carry my presence and step into the water. We've got to step into the water. If he says, get up and carry my presence and step into the darkest places of your city to bring transformation to it. We've got to get up, carry his presence and step into the darkest places of our city. I've been taking some transformation classes over in Council Bluffs. And powerful, powerful. I missed it this last week because I wasn't feeling too hot. But um, the way you transform your city, your family, your nation, presence of God. When the presence of God comes, things are transformed. Things. Celestina, you can go ahead and come. We're going to. She's looking at me like, what? <laughs> That's too soon. <laughs> I just, I had a lot more I wanted to share this morning, but I, I really feel like we are supposed to take some time this morning to sanctify ourselves because there's a move coming. There's a move coming and you don't want to be left on the east side of the Jordan. We're going to leave any, if there's any Acacia Grove left, left in us, that's got to stay on the east side. There's a move coming and I believe the Lord wants us to purify ourselves. He wants us to sanctify ourselves, to be holy as he is holy. And then I, then I believe we're supposed to move into really just hosting his presence, carrying the presence of the Lord. When my mom and dad come to my house, this is how I can describe hosting the presence of God. And forgive me if you feel like it's irreverent, but my mom and dad come to my house. I clear my calendar. I give them my full attention. They're valuable to me. They've, they brought me into this world. I love them. So I clear my calendar when I clean my house. I mean, I make it really clean. I make the best food and the stuff they like because they're kind of picky eaters. They really are. <laughs> Meat and potatoes, that's it. But I may, when they come, I make sure I'm home and I greet them at the door. I sit with them on the couch, even if my dad falls asleep. I sit there with them and have conversation with them. That's hosting. That's being a good host. And that's what we want to do here. We're just going to spend some time. If you want to stand, we're going to spend these last 20 minutes or so. We have time this morning. We're going to linger with Holy Spirit. But I want to encourage us this morning. I encourage you not to be like that person that says, I don't have anything to repent of. Maybe you even want to shout it out. We're going to, we're going to begin, God, search me and know me. Know the deep things within me. Know my thoughts. The Bible says he knows everything about you. He knows your thoughts from afar off. He's familiar with all of your ways. If you want to come to the altar, you're welcome to. We're just going to invite him to search us. And then we're going to move into, we're going to, we're going to move into some hosting the presence. But I believe when they stepped into the river, when they stepped into the river, they stepped into the river of glory, carrying the very, following the presence of God. There's a movement that's going to take us into the very glory of the Lord. It's, it's one thing to be following his presence, but the glory is thick. The glory is weighty. The glory is the excess. 
And so it's, we're in that place of preparing ourselves. Holy Spirit, would you just begin to search us even now as you worship? Let's just focus on the Lord. Search us. Rend our hearts this morning and not our garments. You're welcome to move out into the aisles. You don't have to stand. Maybe you need to get down on your knees. Maybe you need to get on your face. I'm going to have to get on my face, person. Rend your hearts this morning. Rend your hearts. God, is there anything in me that doesn't please you? God, is there anything in me that's vile? Oh, God. Is there anything in me this morning that puts, that comes before you? I told you, this is when it gets real quiet. It's okay, they'll press in this morning. This is part of the sanctification. And I believe that this is a prophetic act, even if it's not just for yourselves, it's for the church. There's a purifying of the church that's being taken place this morning. Because we need a move. We need a move of God. 